0: Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, we're continuing in our series, The Traits of Highly Miserable People. Uh, Don't bump the person next to you or look at anyone at home or in Kailami. But how many know God wants us to be filled with joy? He wants us to be filled with happiness. And He doesn't want us to be miserable people. And often we don't know why we are miserable. But I've traced it to a number of traits that I've been looking at over the last few weeks. And people who worry continuously uh, will be miserable, people who complain continuously will be miserable. And uh, as we set off today, because of the time constraints, I'm going to get right into it now. In 2006, I was reading that there were zookeepers in the city of Munster in Germany who noticed that a black swan called Petra had become romantically attached to a swan boat and they could not separate Petra from this boat. Every time they tried to get her away from the boat, the bird would freak out, and she made headlines around the world with this behavior. This is what the zookeeper said, because this went on for two years. When we took Petra away from the boat, she seemed to lose her way. We hope she'll feel better when she's back with the boat and will regain a sense of security. So Petra became miserable from being separated from a paddle boat. Anyway, this is how fickle Petra was. When along came a swan called Max, she lost interest in the paddle boat and went after Max. And you know, when I read this story, it reminded me of how fickle people are in relationships. They attach themselves to one, and then they think their world will fall apart, but then they quickly attach themselves to another. And people go from person to person, looking for happiness, when happiness is not found in someone else, it's found in yourself. And I think that what happens is, in our world, people make wrong relationship choices which leads to misery. And so what is the trait today, number four, that people have that keeps them miserable? It's this, they keep making poor relationship choices. Maybe you're at home, you say, that's me. The wrong people end up in my life. And often we blame other people for our misery, but it's often our choices that are poor. Roy Bennett wrote a book called uh, Light in the Heart, and it's all about relationships, and he says this. He says, maturity is when you stop complaining and making excuses in your life. You realize everything that happens in life is a result of the previous choices you've made And start making new choices to change your life. I'm sure all of you in the room and online and in Carl would agree with me. Many of us have made poor relationship choices over our lives. And often we lapse in judgment. We miss it. And uh, we make, we build friendships or business partnerships or romantic relationships with the wrong people. We're taken in by people. We're fooled by people. And then we make a choice and then we blame the person when in fact it's up to us to develop maturity and to develop wisdom. Jesus was incredibly careful with relationships. I don't know if you realize that. He didn't just come and love the world. He, he's not like what's being preached today. You know, just no matter what you do, no matter how you sin against God, no matter how you speak against Jesus, you know, he just loves you. No, no, Jesus was very careful with relationships. He had wisdom and maturity. And let me read to you from John chapter two as we build a bit of an introduction here. Then I'm gonna give you six important things about relationships, and then I'll give you some people to watch out for In your life, at least you know where I'm going. In John chapter two, it says this. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. They liked him and they followed him, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them. For he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind for he knew what was in each person. Jesus was not taken in by people, but listen, he was not cynical about people. You've got to be careful that you're not taken in, but then that you're not cynical today. If you're listening to me online in a car be careful that you don't have the wrong impression that people are basically good. That's a problem in our world today. You know, people are basically good. You know, poor people who steal, it's because they grew up poor. You know, rich people who steal, well, they were tempted. And we believe people are, are good, but the environment is what makes them bad. No, the Bible teaches us that people are not essentially good, and we need to love them and build relationships with them, but we need to be careful in choosing them. And a few people said Amen. In the room, some people are shouting in their lounges at home and in Carl because they know mistakes have been made. But let me remind you, Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 20 says this, not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. And Romans 3.10, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. You see, Jesus was courted by people, appreciated by people, followed by people, but he was not naive about people, and in building relationships with people, he knew how much to give and how much not to give. Judas, he knew, would betray him, and it was part of God's purpose and plan, and we need to know how to read people and develop some skills, or we will keep making bad choices. You know, sometimes the most dangerous people in your life are the ones you trusted most. Do you realize that? And you've got to learn from your mistakes. I learned, that, I learned that lesson when I was about 15 years old when I lent a friend of mine my brand new leather jacket and he never gave it back. And it took me months to get over it. I've bought many leather jackets since and I've told the story. But here's the thing, you, you can't believe a friend can do that to you. I read a good book called Safe People. The subtitle is How to Find Relationships That Are Good for You and avoid those that aren't, and it's by Henry Cloud and John Townsend, well-known authors, and they say this. The real problem is that we are untrained in discerning the character of people. We do not get a lot of training in evaluating character. Isn't that the truth? We tend to look on the outside and not the inside of a person. Why do they teach you maths? We actually don't really need maths most of the time. You need to know how to get on with people. Imagine in standard three or grade four, whatever it is now, where they, today we're going to deal with relationships. Everybody be like, pens ready, instead of yawning and falling asleep and playing on their phones or whatever, they'd pay attention because we need it. They're going to say here, uh, so we choose people based on outward appearance and then experience the inside of them. We look at worldly success, charm, looks, humor, status, education, accomplishments, talents, and giftedness, or religious activity. But then we experience the pain of being in a real relationship with them and come up very empty-handed. You see, the problem isn't that we mustn't relate to people. It's not that we mustn't be in relationships. It's that people are a problem. It's that we need maturity and skills, and the Bible provides them for us so that we needn't be miserable. And when people let us down, we go, okay, all right, gave it a go, trusted them, tested them, okay, let's go again. And I wanna look today about six facts about relationships. So you read to make notes today. If you're online and in Kalami and in the room this morning or today, you can make some notes. Remember this, the 10 commandments are all about relationships. The first uh, six of the uh, four of the Ten Commandments, sorry, are our relationship with God, and then the next six, more than half of them, are our relationships with other people. If only we followed the Ten Commandments without being legalistic, we need a relationship with God. But if we followed the Ten Commandments, we'd be good in our relationship with God and we'd be good in our relationship with people. Isn't that the truth? A lot of the problems we have today is because people can't stay married to their partner, that they go and get involved with other people. And in the end, break up the whole family, break up the extended family, and bring misery into their lives. So six things today. Number one, the first thing you need to know about relationships is people can influence us more than we imagine. Don't be naive. Realize that people can influence you more than you imagine. And a lot of people say this to me. No, you know, I'm not easily taken in. And then you see the fruit of it later on. Proverbs warns us in Proverbs 22 and verse 24, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, notice here, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Many a woman has made friends And then become intimate with a man who is hot-tempered and angry. And as a result, guess what we see in our country? Gender-based violence. How many times have we mentioned that in the preaching? How many times have we seen that on the news? It's because you build friendships and intimacy with someone who then beats you up or murders you. Listen, people who walk past you in the street don't just beat you up and kill you. A man walked past me and he hit me and I died. No, it doesn't happen. You build a relationship. You build one of trust. And you see all the signs. But you ignore them and you become ensnared. You've got to make choices. People will influence you more than you imagine. And we need to go into them cautiously, into relationships cautiously. We've got to be very careful of people that we build friendships. Some people love it when they're lots of friends and lots of likes. And you you know, I've got friends all over. Well, let me remind you of Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24 a man of many companions may come to ruin. The more people, the more risk, because the less discernment. And people will influence you more than you imagine. How many of you realize that in the Garden of Eden, when Eve gave that apple, sorry, when the devil gave that apple to Eve, (laughs) don't want to demonize women. But when the devil gave that apple to Eve, she gained an apple but lost to paradise. What in your relationships are you gaining? Oh, Yes, but I'm getting, but you could be losing so much more. People influence you more than you imagine. Number two, those closest to us affect the level of our happiness or misery. Those closest to us affect the level of our happiness or misery. When you decide to become close with someone in business and make a partnership with them, when you decide to get married to someone, They can make your life a total misery. You say, well, I won't let them. No, once done, that's why people kill their marriage partners, poison them. Sometimes they use crude methods like a hammer on the head. Why is that? Because they made the wrong choice. Now they're living in misery. John Maxwell reminds us, and it's one of his famous sayings, those closest to the leader determine the success of the leader. If in business, just the people being around you and closest to you affect the level of your sexes, what about in your home? What about your friendships? You wanna be fruitful and successful? Well, the people closest to you will determine whether that will happen or not. And a whole home can be made miserable by intermarriage, by partnerships in business, can affect your whole social life. Let me remind you of Genesis 26, where Esau decided to get married, but he didn't marry people of the same faith and belief as his parents, Isaac and Rebecca. And it says at the age of 40, he was looking for a long time. Uh, So those of you that are getting on, be careful when you get to 40, because desperation sets in. Isn't that the truth? It says at the age of 40, Esau married a young woman named Judith, the daughter of Beery, the Hittite, or the Uptite. He also married Basimath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite. So, wow, two women, good for him. No, no, no. But Esau's wives made life miserable for Isaac and Rebekah. Bring people into the home and misery to the extended family can be misery in business. We need to realize that those closest to us will affect the level of our happiness or our misery. Better to be alone and yearning than married and in misery. And no one said amen. Is this helping anyone today? Number three, the third thing about relationships is people either lift us or lower us. It's never neutral. People either in our lives lift us or lower us. And we need to be around people who lift us. Isn't that true? Seek out those who lift your life. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 7, Paul speaks about people like this. And he says, uh, your love has given me great joy and encouragement, speaking about the Philippians, because you, uh, sorry, speaking about the, uh, the person he's writing to here, because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Who around you refreshes your heart? Who is there that just, have, when I'm around them, hearts refreshed? People lift you or do they lower you? Now everyone around us is honest. You meet with friends. We're negative. We express our feelings. That's the way we build bonds and so on. But if it happens all the time, I mean, you know, you, some people, when you, when you meet them, you're like, okay, brace yourself. How are you? Oh, I shouldn't have asked. You can be acquainted with people like that, but if you build strong relationships with them, their misery will come into your life. Your joy will not be contagious. And look for people who can refresh you. Henry Drummond was a Scottish evangelist and uh, biologist writer and lecturer and he said this about relationships and and I love it The, the language is old school he says there are some men and some women in whose company we are always at our best while with them we cannot think mean thoughts or speak ungenerous words their mere presence is elevation purification sanctity all the best stops in our nature are drawn out by their intercourse And we find a music in our souls that was never there before. Just by the way, the word intercourse there means interaction. It's an old English word. It doesn't mean when you're having sex with them, they bring out, no, 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 no. No. You need to be careful. Be with people who lift you, not those who lower you. Can you say amen? Number four, here's the fourth thing about relationships. They either direct us or divert us. Who's pointing you in the right direction? Or who is trying to divert you or subvert you? Listen, they can subvert you on your, in your goals and your purpose in the things of God right now. But they can even divert you from your eternal security if you're not careful. I've watched over the years in ministry, many people have lost their salvation because they've got involved with the wrong people. And those people have diverted them. Asked Pastor Vilma and myself over the years, people in our churches who we've watched being diverted. They didn't see it coming, and eventually they are not serving the Lord. Proverbs 12 and verse 26 The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Good warning to us. Psalm 119 verse 66 says, Teach me knowledge and good judgment. It's an art developing relationships and knowing how to choose friendships and watching out for those who are diverting you, lowering you, and redirecting your life. J.C. Ryle from many years ago said this. He said, but depend on it, bad company in this life is the sure way to procure worse company in the life to come. You know, it's, you know what I've discovered today? People don't believe in hell anymore. Is there such a thing? If God is a good God, would He send people to hell? Yes, He wants to send you where, where you're com- most comfortable. And if you're comfortable with the wicked and the crooks and the frauds and those who dishonor God and reject Jesus, well, when you get to eternity, He's like, oh, I know you. This is where you belong. It's, it's just a simple thing, it's just logical. Isn't that true? And so they can direct us or divert us. Number five, they have the power to develop us or destroy us. I not you notice the wording there. They either develop us or they destroy us. Many women have been killed by their boyfriends. Their lives have been destroyed. And uh, yet they couldn't see the danger. If someone is not developing you, you say, well, you know, yeah, but you know, they've had a, ba- they've had a hard time in life. If they're not developing you, the opposite is destroyed. There's no neutral. Listen to me today. Let me remind you about the lady who is out on the streets often uh, campaigning, Cindy September. She has what's called our fallen angels list that she carries around. Listen to me, 829 women and children violently killed in 2020 alone. 829, it's very clear we don't know how to make good relationship choices. They either develop you or they destroy you. It's never neutral. Proverbs 7 and verse 21 talks about how we get led astray. And uh, this is talking about a woman, but it works both ways. It says here, with persuasive words she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk don't just look at talk don't look at charisma look at character when you build a relationship in business or romantically or friendship don't look at charisma don't smell the cologne don't look at the choice of clothes don't look at their nice weight and their upper body it's very developed oh they work out they must be disciplined yes in the flesh they are disciplined but are they disciplined up here are they disciplined in here look a little bit deeper because number six, number six, quickly here in talking about relationships, here's a long one, and I've said this over the years repeatedly, the last 38 years I've repeated this, the biggest emotional impact in our lives occurs when we have a romantic relationship with the opposite sex. You wanna see what the biggest impact in your life will be? It'll be when you have a romantic relationship with the opposite sex. Some people look for that high, all the way through their lives. But often when you have this relationship, you lose your bearings and you've got to be careful. Richard Stibbs was a great theologian. And uh, again, these people from way back who held on to the things of God, we we need to listen to them. They were warning us hundreds of years ago. He says we should take heed with whom we join in league and amity. Before we plant our affections, Consider the persons what they are. If we see any signs of grace, then it is good. But if not, there will be a rent. In other words, a tear. Throughout our whole life, this ought to be our rule. We should labor in all company either to do good or receive good. And whether we can neither do or receive good, we should avoid such acquaintances. Man, man. The psychologists say that what happens to us as people is we, we are drawn to what's called the halo effect, the outside of a person, appearances, and when the appearance is good, the dressing is good, the smell is good, the body is good, they, all, the, all these things, their car, their home, if everything outside them, we are kind of like, wow, and that's why people keep looking for someone to meet that, that need in their lives, but they never seem to find them. And uh, I was reading about this man, Kumaruddin Muhammad. He's 72 and he's been married for the 53rd time. Watch this to his first wife, Khadijah. Khadijah was the first one. Now Khadijah's the last one. He's gone around in a circle. And it's, it, it says in the article he was married to just one woman for two days. All his marriages ended in divorce, except for the last one where his wife died. Maybe he made her life such a misery. Who knows? But guess what? Getting married over and over again shows that repeating it is not developing good judgment. And it has a big impact on your life, and we go by appearances. A woman by the name of Cassie was on the Dr. Full show, and she said to Dr. Full that she's cur- currently considering divorcing her 10th husband, and she doesn't plan to stop getting married until she finds Mr. Wright. Some of you are giggling in the room. Some people live like this. And then they're unhappy, and guess what they say? Yeah, they made me so unhappy. No, you chose someone who made you unhappy. Why would you prick yourself with a pin and then say, you know, I don't understand why I'm so sore. It's you. You're doing it to yourself. Now, there's a book here called Energy Zappers. Sean Blakely and Wallace Henley, they write about 21 types of people Who drain you dry and leave you wrung out, they say. And uh, they say, watch out for them, because they are like dangerous substances. How many of you know when there's a dangerous substance, you look at the label? Mmm. Wash my hands. Put it in a safe place. We need to read the labels on people. And some people are labeled. And I only have time this morning for six of them but I'm going to give you the, 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 the labels that have people that you need to watch out for, especially when building romantic relationships. Do you think that'll help you today? They're screaming online, saying, yes, tell us, tell us. In Carl Army, they're on their feet. Yes, yes, okay, relax. Are you ready? Number one, the first one is the diverters. The diverters, people who constantly pull you into another set of values in another direction and away from your vision and away from serving God. They will persuade you like the devil did to take another course of action. Isn't that what they, the devil did to Jesus in the wilderness? He's made a decision to serve God. He, he's got baptized. And now Satan is almost coming and saying, is that the way you should go? This is the better way. And satanic people come in the form of diverters and they take you off course. And like Jesus, we need to stick to our values, we need to stick to our course, and we need to stick to the word of God. And we need to watch out for diverters. And it's so easy to, to, you know, to get diverted. And I, and I talk to people and they say, I don't know what went wrong. Well, Paul writing to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians explains it. He says, do not try to work together as equals with unbelievers, for it cannot be done. How can right and wrong be partners? How can light and darkness live together? How can Christ and the devil agree? Gosh, it's so simple. And in the book Safe People by Henry Cloud and John Townsend, they say this, safe people are individuals who draw us closer to being the people. Sorry, safe people are the individuals who draw us closer to being the people God intended us to be. Divertors will take you further and further away, but safe people will bring you closer and closer. Are there diverters in your life right now? Don't nudge anyone, just look straight ahead. But think about this. That person's friendship, they divert me. When I bry with them, when I get together with them, they seem so nice, but they keep on talking about alternative things. They keep on talking about Jesus is not the only way. Or the Bible's irrelevant. Those will divert you from your walk with God. And guess what? The end result is misery. Number two, the second kind are the deceivers. They con you with a projection of who they are, who they want you to believe they are, but ultimately they they have uh, wrong motives, and uh, they're not honest with you. And they will use you and deceive you to get something out of you. Many women are deceived by men who want something from them. Men who visit them so they can get free food, men who visit them so they can get sex, and they'll stay there all night long until you are tired and let's have another glass of wine. Come, let's have another one. Motive, motive, motive. Deception. And they will cause doubt in your mind about the purposes of God. Did God really say, is what the devil said to Eve, and deceivers come along to sway us. And uh, you know, I, I saw this with my mother growing up. She was a single parent, raised my sister and myself, And she had a wide social circle mixed with many fine couples. They they were like uncles and aunties to us. But then there were single men that she met, and you could see their motive. They wanted to try and stay over. They wanted to eat there, you know. Myrtle was a good cook, and if you could come over, she would give you a three-course meal. But my mother was shrewd as a serpent boy. She would tell them, well, don't you think you can come here and lie on my neck? Off you go. It's 10 o'clock. I admired my mom for that strength that she had. Occasionally, she was taken in by deceivers. There was a guy she was really uh, caught up with and trusted, and he took her checkbook, and at the back of the checkbook, he wrote out a whole lot of checks, and her money just disappeared out of her account, and it took her ages to find out how it happened. Forged her signature, and as a little boy, I had to appear in court and testify. Quite an awesome thing, looking up at a judge, and he's standing over there, smiling at me in the dark, and I had to say, yes, I saw him with my mother's checkbook, which I did. Didn't know what it was until my mother questioned me. I'm like, oh, yes, I did see him do that. And then he got convicted of fraud. Watch out. There are diverters and there are deceivers. Number three, the clingers. The clingers. There are two categories of people who cling to you. Listen to me carefully. Write them down today because Jesus had these people around him. And the first are the suckers. These are not fools. These are like octopus. Octopi, is it? Octopuses, according to the Beatles song. They latch onto you. And no matter how hard you shake, you can't get rid of them. And they will suck money out of you, life out of you. They will will stick you. And they did that to Jesus. They stuck on him and sucked. They They didn't want to follow him because he was Lord. They wanted to follow him because of what they could get from him. And some people aren't interested in you, they're interested in what they can get from you. And you'll remember in John chapter 6 and verse 26, these suckers came looking for Jesus, and he said to them, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You had Sunday roast with curry and potatoes, and now you're back for more, but you don't care for me. And we've got to be careful of suckers, Jesus had the second group of people who clung to him. Listen to me today. They were students. And if you're a student of Jesus, you need to cling to him. Are you with me? But students don't just cling for what they can get. Students cling for what they can get, but then they grow to maturity and they contribute. Are you with me? Notice here in Luke chapter eight, Jesus had these people clinging to him. They had all sorts of problems and issues. And it says he took his 12 disciples with him. Along with some women he had healed from whom he had cast out evil spirits. These were needy people. Among them, Mary Magdalene, who he had cast out seven demons. Joanna, the wife of Chuzo. Herod's business manager, Susanna. And many others, watch, who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. They were sick when they clung to him, but later they became healthy and they became contributors. And when you come into the kingdom, you need to cling to Jesus, but it's not because you cling to him because you just suck him dry. You cling to him so that you can learn from him, so that you can be freed by him, so that you can grow in him, so that you can now become a contributor. Are you with me? And clingers, if you're not careful, uh, the, the wrong kind will be suckers. They will make you feel responsible for their lives. They'll make you feel, if they don't see you, that there's something wrong with you and, uh, and, and, and they become codependent, and it's a very unhealthy thing in your life. And Jesus had so many disciples with him, and then he sent them out. Now, I love what it says about the 72 in Luke chapter 10. Let's see if we can get through this. It says, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them on ahead in pairs to all the towns and villages he planned to visit. Notice they, they clung, then he sent them out. But watch, go now and remember, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. They, they, they stayed lambs, they stayed needy, but they became contributors and they were used by him and we need to become people like that. Avoid the diverters, the deceivers, the clingers. Number four, you all know them, the whiners. These are not people who drink red or white wine. These are people who constantly complain and see the negatives. And listen, if someone sees life in the negative, they will eventually see you in the negative. Because a person who sees everything in the negative, how can they see you positively? Their whole frame of reference and attitude is one of negativity, and they're constantly whining and complaining. And they see what you don't do, not what you do do. Remember the older brother of the prodigal in Luke 15? He whined when his brother came home. He whined, you never gave me. And the father said, everything I have is yours. You never asked, but you only see negative. You only see how downtrodden you are. You're a victim. we have got to be careful of whiners and moaners. Moses had them with him in the wilderness. All they saw were negatives. They didn't see God's plan. And Jesus had them as well. He had whiners around him who constantly moaned and complained. They were unhappy in themselves and they make other people unhappy. I think I read this verse before, but I'd like to read it again today. Matthew 11 and verse 16. Are you all still with me? You're all still breathing, hopefully online. You're receiving something and in Kyle today. But Matthew eleven sixteen. 16, how shall I describe this generation? These people are like a group of children playing a game in the public square. They complain to their friends. We played the wedding songs and you weren't happy. We played the funeral songs, but you weren't sad. And he says, for John the Baptist didn't drink wine, and he often fasted, and you say he's demon-possessed, and I, the son of man, feast and drink, and drink merlot, and you say he's a glutton, and a drunkard, and a friend of the worst sort of sinners. You see, whiners are never happy, no matter how things are. You can be super spiritual, and they'll whine. You You can be liberal, and they'll whine. We need to avoid whiners in our lives. Number five, the fifth kind of person, here quickly, is the wounders. The wounders. And I've said this over and over, but I need to say it again today. Hurt people hurt people. Did you get that? So be careful when you build relationships with hurt people, because this is what a lot of people do. I will heal them. The Lord has given me a ministry of understanding hurt people. And I know what it's like to be hurt. So guess what? I'm going to take them under my wing. They will break your wing. You need to recognize that hurt people are dangerous. Even pastors and leaders have been hurt by hurt people. Taken them in. There's, there's, there's a man I know, I will not mention his name. He took in hurt people into his home all the time, all the time, until one of them murdered him in his own lounge. That's what people can do to you. Did he think he was serving the Lord and doing God's will? Yes. I don't think it's God's will that he was murdered. But he trusted hurt people. And when you take people that are wounded into your life, they've been hurt, now they hurt others, only God can transform their hearts. And if you marry a wounded person, man, you will be constantly wounded. And that's why you'll find you have friends that wounded you. That wound you. In Zechariah 13, it says, uh, uh, Zechariah speaking, and it's a prophecy of Jesus. He says, and if someone asks, then what about those wounds on your chest? He will say, I was wounded at my friend's house. Man, they take their anger and their rejection, and they will take it out on you. And if you mix with wounded people, you will find yourself really, really hurt. Let them be healed. Let them become whole And if someone is newly saved and they've got lots of issues, wait until you get married. Thus saith the Lord. Hmm? Number six. And I've got a few minutes here. In fact, one minute, 33, 32, 30, 29, 28. How many of you are glad you're in church this morning? I think I'm happier than you. I've got someone to talk to and I know I'm speaking to people online and I know I'm speaking to people in Kalami but it is so nice to see your faces and to be in the building have you been helped today wasn't it different when the worship we were worshiping together if you've not come into the building yet make sure you try if you're living in the area if you're part of rivers come in come and register but you'll have to be quick because G.C. Lukela's connect group they're in first in the online bookings Come, number six. Here's the most important one you've got to watch out for. The irresponsibles. The irresponsibles, they use committed language, but they don't follow through. They'll tell you they love you, they'll tell you they care, they will make a vows at the altar, they will promise you in business that they will be faithful. But they can't help being irresponsible. Maybe they were abandoned. Maybe they themselves grew up with irresponsible parents. And so now they're irresponsible. They don't know. But they're dangerous people, and you've got to watch out for them. They can make your life miserable. In the book Safe People by Henry Clown and John Townsend, they say this. Irresponsibles are people who don't take care of themselves or others. They have problems with delaying gratification. They don't consider the consequences of their actions, and they don't follow through on their commitments. They are like grown-up children. If you're drawn to irresponsible people, you may be doing the following. You pick up after them. You apologize to others for them. You make excuses for them. You give them chance after chance after chance. You pay for their sins and their forgetfulness. You nag them. You resent them. Can you see that? You resent them. In other words, they make you miserable. That's what happens when you build relationships with irresponsible people. And many, many women have been abandoned by irresponsible men. I have watched over the years, and it's been an interesting phenomenon both in South Africa and America. Many women meet a man. They have a relationship with him. He then presents all the obstacles to getting married. So they have sex with him. They end up with a child, and then he's gone. It's almost magic. He, he poof. They can't find him. Uh-oh. That's, that's bad enough. He never pays maintenance, and he's gone. Then they meet another man, and he speaks responsible language. So they get into bed with him, and they fall pregnant. And just like the other one, poof, he's gone. And before you know it, one, two, three, four, five. Even five children and no husband. And if you talk to that woman, she is miserable. And she will blame men. But it's not men. It's irresponsible men who speak committed language but don't follow through. Ladies, you have to look deeper than charisma. You have to look for character. My own mother was married to two irresponsible men. When I was six months old, my own father was irresponsible. Not only had he got my mother into debt, she had debt collectors knocking on the door, but he disappeared. She never saw him again ever. And he never gave her a cent in maintenance. Do you think my mother was a fool? She wasn't, but she was taken in by charisma instead of by character. You gotta be careful who you build relationships with because it can affect your entire future. Now, as I close this morning, I'm going to hand over to Pastor Devin in Kailami. But here online and in Santon, I want to just make this comment. Look, look at this quote by Dr. Billy Graham, and I'm going to pray with you in a moment. He, says, he said this God is more interested in your future and your relationships than you are. Isn't that encouraging? So God cares about who you get involved with. And sometimes we are reckless, but God says, hey, I'm trying to warn you. I want the best for you. I care about your relationship with me, and I also care about your relationship with others. And I think the key thing is, church, when we buy things and we, and we are shopping, we, we generally don't just look at the surface, do we? we? You know, if you buy a motor car, most people ask, is there a motor plan? What's the guarantee? You're not just taken up by the shape of the thing and the, the leather seats or whatever. It's got fancy features. It's got Apple CarPlay or whatever. You, you, you ask the questions. Why? Because it, does, it mustn't just look nice. It needs to be reliable. What we need God to give us is a wisdom that sees through the shape of people, the externals, and then determines the character and makes wise decisions. Today, if you've made, how many of you in the room say, I, I've been taken in by people? You can raise your hand. In on me. you can raise your hand. Or uh, online, you can raise your hand. We've been taken in. But you know what? If you pray and you go to God's word, he'll help you overcome. And today I want to pray with you. Uh, if you're watching online, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. That relationship comes first. He's the savior of the world. He is the way, the truth and the life not not a, a way and a truth he is the way the truth and the life and if you've not got a relationship with him well then any other relationship with any other deity or gods or idols is heading for trouble because there is only one in the universe who God sent to be the savior if you don't name today you need to make him the lord of your life if you're in the room today you might be a visitor you've never made Jesus the lord of your life Maybe you've not kept your relationship with God in good repair. I've discovered that when your relationship with God is not at its best, your relationship with people suffers. So let's bow our heads across the room this morning. And if you're with me online, we're praying right now. If you're at home, wherever you find yourself, you might be watching on your phone. You say, you know, I've I've not got a good relationship with God. In fact, I don't have a relationship with God. In a moment, I'm going to lead you in prayer. If you're in the room today, you don't have a relationship with God, You know, the first four commandments are a relationship with God. Then the next six of the ten are a relationship with others. The best relationships you can have are when your relationship with God is sound. If today you don't have a relationship with God or your relationship with God isn't good, I'd like to pray with you. Obviously, online I can't see you, I can't see your hand. God sees your heart, but if you're in the room, you say, no, well, pray with, can, can you pray with me today? I'm not going to make you stand up or call you out. Just simply going to pray. Just raise your hand. And say, yes, I need, to, I need to get right with God today. I need relationship with God. I need to get my life back on track. I need Jesus in my life today. Just raise your hand up. I think someone raised their hand up. Yes. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Wonderful. That's great. Just raise it up quickly and then I'm gonna pray and we're gonna pray with the people online. And what we're gonna do in the room today is we're gonna gonna pray out loud so the people online can follow with us. So let's pray like this. Thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus, the only Savior of the world. We receive him today as our Lord and Savior and we keep him in the center of our lives. Lord Jesus, lead us, save us, be our Lord, and help us to follow you fully. We commit ourselves to you today, and we trust you today. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.